We've probably been joined again um, by people using the internet and live streaming at this point, and we welcome them to this celebration of the Gemini full moon and the festival of the Christ of humanity and of goodwill, as it's also known. As humanity becomes sensitive to impression from the great ashram, the spiritual hierarchy, with the Christ at its heart, human thinking will begin to align itself more closely with the plan. And this will entail a shift of human identity from the personality nature to the soul within, the master in the heart rising steadily to control his instrument in the lower world. And this is beautifully summarized in the keynote for the disciple in Gemini. I see my other self, and in the waning of that self, I grow and glow. So Gemini is a sign of duality and identity shifts, a process that's reaching its peak in this turbulent world period where higher and lower traits stand in contrast to one another in so many fields of human interaction. Duality is also, however, a positive development because it means that it's no longer solely identified with a form aspect, but it's becoming aware of a higher, more principled side to its nature one which is imbued with love and inclusiveness. Gemini is called the constellation of the resolution of duality into a fluid synthesis. This sign governs all the pairs of opposites in the zodiac, preserving the magnetic interplay between them, keeping their relationship fluid. And this facilitates their eventual transmutation into unity, for the two must finally become the one. And Gemini achieves this unity through blending its energy with its opposite sign, Sagittarius, the archer, symbolizing a one-pointed focus on the goal ahead. And the fusion of higher energies of these two signs results in the redemption of the thought life through a focus on the plan and an increase in the capacity to love. Where once the personal self was at the center of the thought life, in its place there is now service of the plan and the purpose of evolution. So every time we have a thought, we are participating in the creative processes of the planetary scheme. We're either assisting or hindering it. Every thought and action carries its creator and those whom it influences a little step forwards into spirit or backwards into matter. And it's therefore evolutionary or involutionary. Perhaps this throws light on Christ's pronouncement, those who are not with me are against me. Doing nothing is impossible because the sea of substance in which we live out our lives and which is sometimes referred to as elemental essence is flowing steadily towards the pole of matter 
on the involutionary cycle. And what is sometimes described as doing nothing may be just drifting back down this line of least resistance into previously attained and outgrown states of consciousness that we revisit at our cost. And one of the most inspiring symbols of the pilgrim's journey against the stream of elemental essence is the salmon, one of the most extraordinary creatures in the fish kingdom and whose life beautifully illustrates the struggle of the aspirant to return to his divine source. The young salmon, or smolts, swim down the rivers in shoals until they reach the sea, much as a human monads first come into incarnation in group form before any individualization takes place. In the sea, the salmon grow to maturity and their homing instinct prompts them to journey back against the flow of water to the river in which they hatched. Once out of the sea, they stop feeding, and while working their way upriver, they use up the reserves of fats and oils in their flesh. So we can see the aspirant who has experienced life to the full and who's grown thereby, now disciplining himself and setting foot upon the path of return, no longer feeding in the sea of human desire and on the thoughts of others, but drawing deep on his own reserves of experience and wisdom as sustenance throughout his difficult journey home. We witness the tremendous achievement of the salmon as it travels upstream against the current, overcoming rapids and waterfalls. The sight of the salmon taking to the air to overcome these obstacles is a beautiful illustration of the pilgrim's determined struggle out of the watery emotional nature and into the air which symbolizes buddhi or that pure love and intuition that overcomes all barriers. We could also equate the intuition to a higher form of the homing instinct in the animal kingdom, for it's the developed intuition that directs the pilgrim back to the father's home. As we move from the age of Pisces, a water sign, to the age of Aquarius, an air sign, perhaps we could compare the spiritual aspirant to a fish out of water. The focus of his life is at odds with the bulk of humanity who search the three worlds for satisfaction and pleasure. Instead, he lifts himself out of the waters of desire and takes to the air a new environment in which he doesn't yet feel at home. And new energies make up life on the path of discipleship and a period of acclimatizing is required. However, it is to the air that the aspirant must take in order to overcome the emotional tides that would otherwise drive him back into the sea of desire. Drawing further on the analogy of the journey of the salmon, we can see how much strength and willpower this uphill struggle requires, even more so because the disciple is also blazing a trail for others. On the journey, thought forms of loving support and encouragement 
are created for them, pools of lighted peace where filler pilgrims can gather renewed strength to travel on. The creation and energizing of thought forms of light and love for aspiring humanity are all part of the disciples' journey back to the source. And these thought forms enable humanity to stand strong at new levels of consciousness. And as there are so many groups of aspirants and disciples forming at this time to serve humanity, we can be certain that the clarifying nature of love and goodwill is being transmitted deep into its collective heart. As large sections of humanity transmute desire into love, there's also an increasing manifestation of group love that's witnessed globally as many initiatives and campaigns appear in response to human need. And while some of the many charitable initiatives may be an emotional response to need, there is nevertheless a real heart response, an astral buddhic sensitivity that's demonstrating transmutation in process. So this indicates that the effects of using the great invocation are beginning to demonstrate outwardly from the point of love within the heart of God. Love is streaming forth into the hearts of humanity and beginning to restore the divine circulatory flow. The heart of God maintains this divine flow within which each human heart facilitates the circulation and at the same time adds its own unique ingredient to enrich it. As an alignment of hearts takes place in humanity, the highest spiritual kingdoms and the lowest subhuman kingdoms are steadily being brought closer into unity. And the overriding quality of this solar system, love, is slowly beginning to permeate the whole. And despite outer appearances, all around the world, there is a strong evidence that the astral sensitivity of the solar plexus is being transformed into the spiritual sensitivity of the heart. The heart centrality is echoed in the yoga of the Kathopanishad. To quote, in the heart is the dweller who has been described as of the size of a thumb, and is indeed the same small but mighty being who is known in Western myth as Tom Thumb. <laughs> this master in the heart holds the force of love and light, but it's an act of will which sustains his presence in us. The quote continues, each time we pursue outside ourself that which is only to be found within us, we waste that light. By identifying ourselves with transient patterns, we share their transiency and die with them. For this reason, the sages have always taught that we should restrain the heart light from flowing out towards objects, but let it remain collected in the heart like a clear mirror of a mountain lake. When this is done, the entire cosmos is mirrored in the serene waters, 
all things are seen to be within the self. Pure water has been poured into pure water and runs nowhere but remains the same. The outflow of desire has ceased forever. Therefore, it's been said, the seed blossom, in other words, the light, of the human body must be concentrated upward in the empty space. Immortality is contained in this sentence and also the overcoming of this world is contained in it. Of course, the whole point of overcoming the world is to turn back and help redeem it. And if we are to help a world in turmoil, we must look behind this outer seeming of forms and events to the forces at play behind the scenes. We have to contact the forces of love and purpose and direct them to human need and to strengthen the embryonic plans that are being made by the new group of world servers by which the new world may come into being. If the divine plan for humanity involves the attainment of heart knowledge, it cannot be further externalized until it is received and perceived by those who symbolize the awakening heart in humanity. And this places an enormous responsibility on a relatively small group of spiritually awakened people who have the free will to choose whether or not to respond to the heart's vibrations and direct it to awaken the hearts of others. And while humanity's heart's awakening, it's clear from current world events that much still obstructs the divine circulatory flow. Crisis follows crisis, as points of resistance are uprooted and destroyed. Each produces a period of tension as humanity deliberates on how to rebuild upon sounder lines. Consequently, spiritual development has to take account of bearing the pressure of the tremendous influx of energies that seem to characterize these times. This places an added strain on the centers of a modern disciple who is also evoking the cleansing, purifying fire of the higher self on a daily basis in meditation. How then can the server of humanity offset any symptoms of stress and fatigue, excitement and restlessness that is such a feature of modern day living? The key lies in non-resistance to the divine circulatory flow, enabling the entering forces to circulate freely. And this is called the secret of regulation and it eases the friction generated by blocked inlets and outlets of the personality vehicles with its associated problems of overstimulation and congestion. It should be noted that such states can occur through subtle glamour of spiritual self-centeredness that arise from a constant examination of the personality. But faithful use of an evening review offsets this problem by allocating time and space for a scientific and detached consideration of the handling of forces each day. This begins with a morning meditation and communion with the higher self through the point of tension that's formed at the apex of the mind.
And this is a portal of entry for spiritual fire of the higher self, infused with qualities seeking expression. And the skill lies in maintaining and regulating this point of spiritual tension throughout the day, enabling the contacted energies to freely circulate throughout the aura. And this regulates the flow so that the forces which are specifically required in the service of the moment are absorbed and worked with, while the remainder will automatically flow out of the aura as a healing agency on their return to the general reservoir of the universal forces in nature. So regulation of one's own energies is important in contacting and distributing the energies of the plan. And should be remembered that the Great Invocation is a highly affected agency in this process. Not only is it helpful at the close of meditation, but it can be used at various intervals throughout the day to help keep the spiritual energies circulating as they should. In this way, problems of overstimulation and congestion may be avoided. The disciple can realize firsthand what it means to become a strand of loving energy within the stream of love divine and a point of sacrificial fire focused within the fiery will of God. A regulating force governs this divine stream as surely as it governs the bloodstream that distributes its nourishment to the body's organs and cells. In meditation, at the same time, that which can constructively be used is assimilated with, from the divine flow and transformed into forces that promote spiritual growth, the rest passing outward into the environment on its way back to nature's reservoir of forces. And the evening reviews invalidate these energies that course through the vehicles. As a detached onlooker, the spiritual seeker imaginatively travels back through the day's stream of forces, as though tracing a river back from the sea to its source. And the journey reveals the terrain through which the student's energy flowed and how its course was affected, where new tributaries of force joined the flow, causing it to swell and grow in strength where energy was consciously diverted to distribute the waters of life, or where harmful, contaminating forces were picked up in some places and deposited in others. And all these exchanges are traced back along the energy flow until the, until the spiritual source is reached, the soul's crystal spring of energy that poured into the aspiring server of the plan during the morning meditation. So recognizing the subtle way energies and forces flow through the personality is one of the first steps towards controlling them. And with practice, this review helps to maintain a spiritual perspective throughout each day's unfolding events. The inquiring student may then discover that the sacred word and the great invocation are two great tools that can be used in this regulatory process. For the Great Invocation is a solar instrument that can be carried in the higher consciousness 
and drawn upon during the day. And while this magical device will not achieve its aims if used in a mechanical fashion, as it can with an overfamiliarity of words, but if it's drawn upon with fresh reverence and spiritual vigor, it will evoke and infuse its spiritual power into the disciples' energy system. If the meaning of the great invocation is propelled forth with focused intent, it will also keep the disciples' system of forces free of impediments. So as we work with others around the globe today to celebrate World Invocation Day, we recognize that we have in the great invocation a major tool of service in our hands. And we can never complain that we are not in a position to participate to the full in the circulation of love to humanity. It's also a mantra that brings much joy and upliftment through its use, through the power of its meaning. And joy is the greatest of all indications that we are playing our part in the divine circulatory flow. For where there is joy, there is meaning, not a meaning describable in words, but a state of right orientation to a higher purpose and a subsequent awareness of the waves of divine energy that are continually breaking on the edges of human consciousness, steadily awaking and preparing humanity. Just as the filament in a bowl provides the resistance to produce a light, so does the purified personality offer positive resistance to this energy with a resulting emission of lighted joy. And to the extent that joy is present in a person's life, so is the soul. The extent that it colors and conditions all of our relationships reflects the extent to which we are actually living the ageless wisdom teachings and freeing ourselves from dependence on some outer shell of lifeless knowledge. Goodwill is spread throughout the world on the wings of joy. And as we work together in meditation this afternoon, may it pour forth to humanity to bring support to the many who are struggling in the darkness that ever precedes the revelation of meaning. So we'll go into meditation now. We have a, a small white A5 uh, meditation outline. It is the same as the other one that we've been using, but you can just substitute, substitute the keynote for the Gemini, um, the disciple in Gemini keynote, which is I recognize my other self, and in the waning of that self, I grow and glow.
splitting in the light. Group fusion. We affirm the fact of group fusion and integration within the heart center of the new group of world servers, mediating between hierarchy and humanity. I am one with my group brothers, and all that I have is theirs. May the love which is in my soul pour forth to them. May the strength which is in me lift and aid them. May the thoughts which my soul creates reach and encourage them. Alignment. We project a line of lighted energy towards the spiritual hierarchy of the planet, the planetary heart, and the great ashram of Sanakamara, towards the Christ at its heart. We extend the line of light towards Shambhala, the center where the will of God is known.
higher interlude. We hold the contemplative mind open to the extraplanetary energies streaming into Shambhala and radiated through hierarchy. Use the creative imagination to see the three planetary centers, Shambhala, hierarchy, and humanity, gradually coming into alignment and interplay. Meditation, we reflect on the seed thought. I recognize my other self, and in the waning of that self, I grow and glow.
precipitation. Using the creative imagination, we visualize the energies of light and love and the will to good pouring throughout the planet and becoming anchored on earth in prepared physical plane centers through which the plan can manifest. He uses sixfold progression of divine love as a sequence of energy precipitation. Shambhala, hierarchy, the Christ, the new group of world servers, men and women of goodwill everywhere in the world, and physical centers of distribution. Refocus the consciousness as a group within the periphery of the great ashram. In the center of all love I stand. From that center I, the soul, will outward move. From that center I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad in my heart, through my group, and throughout the world.
distribution. As the great invocation is sounded, we visualize the outpouring of light and love and power from the hierarchy through the five planetary inlets, London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, Tokyo, irradiating the consciousness of the whole human race. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into the minds of men. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into the hearts of men. May Christ return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide the little wills of men, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the race of men. Let the plan of love and light work out and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Just to let you know that the peak of the full moon is at a very convenient time, which is 10.16 tonight, British summertime that is. 
So that's quite good. If you could link up then, that would be very good. And um, just to say that our next full moon meeting is, will be held at the Library of the Lucis Trust on Sunday the 19th of June at 3 o'clock, and that will be our second Gemini meeting. So lots of opportunity to release love wisdom. Before we leave also, just a reminder to uh, secretaries and secretaries in training that the workshop will be held um, tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock at the Lucis Trust. At, sorry, 10.30 tomorrow morning at the Lucis Trust in Whitehall Court. And, um, well, enjoy your evening. Thank you so much for all your lighted contributions. And we hope to see you tomorrow. Tomorrow starts at 1 o'clock, so we'll see you then. Thank you.